Each of us are born brilliant. Then we speak the rest of our lives having our brilliance buried by people, circumstances, and experiences. Eventually, we forget that we ever had genius and special talents, and our brilliance is locked away in a vault deep within. So we settle for who we are instead of striving for who we were meant to be. And in this episode, I'm going to be interviewing the author of Release Your Brilliance, Simon T. Bailey, as he shares with us how to maximize our brand by releasing our brilliance so that we can live the life that we crave. This is going to be good. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Maximize Your Brand podcast with Markeith Brayton. So excited that you're joining me again this week because I have another great episode to share with you. I'm always excited to be sharing episodes that I have done as far as interviews with individuals whom I greatly admire, those whom I pattern my business or my speaking from. And this particular episode is a rewind episode of some sorts where I am sharing with you an interview I did with a speaker, author, coach, Simon T. Bailey. He's someone who I've been following over the years and he has done tremendous work in the area of speaking and really helping individuals to really raise their level of consciousness around their brilliance. And we're going to be talking about releasing your brilliance. And he has a book called Release Your Brilliance, The Four Steps to Transforming Your Life and Revealing Your Genius to the World. And when I think about releasing your brilliance, I can't help but to think about how releasing your brilliance helps you to maximize your brand. It is through your brilliance that your brand has an opportunity to really impact the lives of those whom you are supposed to touch, whom you are purposed to serve. And so I thought this was going to be a great episode to share again on the podcast. Simon is a great guy. He is a entrepreneur who has been speaking all over the world. And so he has a wealth of knowledge and information. But before we jump into the episode, I want to invite you to join my community. Join the community of brand maximizers. We are all about learning how to maximize our brands through our talents, through our gifts, through our skills, through our expertise so that we can create the life that we crave. And I'm all about teaching you how to do that. And you can learn more by joining the community and getting on the email list. So all you have to do to join the community and get on the email list is text personal brand to 77222. Text personal brand to 77222. Or you can go to my website, MarkeithBraden.com, MarkeithBraden.com, and click the link to download a free gift or to share your email so that you can be a part of the community. Also, I have a Facebook group called Maximize Your Brand. And so if you want to be a part of the Facebook group, just search Maximize Your Brand with Markeith Braden on Facebook and join the group. I'm going to have some new things rolling out, some online course opportunities, and I want to make sure that you're on the list to capture everything that I'm going to be sharing. And so I thank you for going ahead and joining the community of brand maximizers where we're all about helping corporate executives and career professionals to maximize and monetize their personal brand so that they can utilize or leverage their expertise online and create the life that they crave. 
without any further ado, or I really don't like that, without any further deliberation, we're going to go ahead and hop into today's episode with Simon T. Bailey, Release Your Brilliance. My guest today is Simon T. Bailey, a sought-after motivational speaker and consultant. Simon T. Bailey is a former Walt Disney executive who decided to leave his corporate job and follow his dreams to create magical moments in his life. Today, Simon teaches influencers how to improve themselves and change the world. As an executive advisor, career mentor, and keynote speaker, he doesn't take people where they want to go. He guides them by providing strategic steps to where they need to go. Simon inspires through relevant stories and thought-provoking evidence-based research, breaking through the motivational paradigm that causes individuals to stretch and produce results. Simon is also an author and recently released his latest book, Shift Your Brilliance, Harness the Power of You Incorporated. I am pleased to welcome Simon T. Bailey, Mr. Brilliance himself, <laughs> this two podcast. Simon, welcome, and we hope and know that you are going to give us some great advice. Well, thank you for having me. Good to be with you. Thank you again for being on today's show. Today's theme for the show is Shift Your Brilliance, coming from the title of Simon's book. And so, Simon, I just gave a brief introduction of who you are, but why don't you take us just a little bit deeper and give us a little bit more of your story and how you have gotten to where you are today? Yes. Yeah, so almost uh, 30 years ago, mom and dad dropped me off at Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. And at the end of my freshman year at Morehouse, they called and said, we don't have the money to send you back to Morehouse, nor do we have money to bring you back home to Buffalo, but we do love you. So I uh, dropped out of Morehouse, moved into a drug-infested community, uh, only had a, a mattress on the floor, bright green beanbag from the 70s, couple of milk crates turned over with a black and white TV on top of it, with a hanger hanging out of the back of the TV with a piece of aluminum foil wrapped around the hanger. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, these were these were my formative years. I was 19 years of age, lost as a goose in a blizzard. And I was in this drug-infested community because it was all that I was uh, could afford. I wasn't on drugs and was on public transportation. You know, MARTA, the public transportation system there, moving African-Americans rapidly through Atlanta. And uh, that was just uh, an amazing experience. And uh, it really kind of shaped who I am today. So I went from there working at the hotel to getting uh, an offer to work at the Ritz-Carlton. Really didn't have a concept of what a Ritz-Carlton was back then. I certainly do now. Okay. And uh, went from there and got on with Hyatt Hotels and eventually uh, the Orlando Tourism Bureau and then worked for Disney. And uh, it was really great, a great experience. I did go back to school, finish my undergrad, finish my master's degree. I was just on the 10-year plan. Okay. But uh, I was just trying to push forward. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I read that on your bio that it, 10 years had passed between the time that you had left Morehouse and actually finished your undergraduate work. But, you know, what I like about that story is that you finished. Yes, yes, you yes. You started and you finished. No matter how long it took, you finished. You know, and many people sometimes, you know, they have deferred dreams. But as long as you finish, that's all that really matters. That's all that really matters. Totally. You know, so one of my favorite quotes for which I kind of build the foundation of my speaking business as well as coaching is a quote from Miles Monroe. And he simply says this. He says that the greatest tragedy in life is to be successful at the wrong assignment. Mm. Mm. And so this very first question that I like to ask every guest is, why is it important that individuals identify their purpose and be successful at their right life assignment versus the wrong assignment? Yeah, when you tap into the right assignment, you unlock your ability. You also connect with relationships that were waiting for you to get there. And you also discover your flow. I believe when you're not in your assignment, you're out of flow. And when you're out of flow, you're out of purpose. And when you're out of purpose, you're off sync. You're not, you're not synced in. And, and when those things happen, you miss your season. And when you miss your season, you miss your timing. Mm. And so it, it is all interrelated and all connected together because when a person is in season, when they are in flow, when they are in sync, when they are on assignment doing what they do best, they don't chase money. Money chases them. 
because they moved to what I call the land of effortless living. And the land of effortless living allows you to shift anytime, anywhere to stay relevant in any and every economy. Wow. Wow. You know, chasing money. You know, I just finished reading The Wealth Choice by Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. Yes. You know, and he really teaches some principles about really how to attract money versus chasing money. Yes. You know, and when you talk about that and how that is in alignment with really pursuing and walking in your calling, it makes a lot of sense when we think about today's culture of how everything really is more about chasing and making things happen than really being yes, and absolutely. allowing life to happen, you know? And yes. so how did you find yourself into that flow of not chasing, but creating? Yeah. So when I was working for Disney, they sent me over to Paris to design a leadership program for Barclays Bank out of London for a thousand of their leaders. And while I was there in Paris, I was there on stage and I was sharing this leadership presentation, and Lion King, the movie, had just come out. And so, Marquita, I, I had a moment when I said, remember who you are. You are more than what you have become. I literally hit this moment, and I had a co-facilitator with me on the stage. And I was supposed to pitch the presentation back to her, but I totally forgot about it because I, <laughs> I was just going for it. And some people came up to me after my presentation and they said they had goosebumps the entire time while I was talking. So, and they said it wasn't from the air condition. And I said, wow, that's interesting. And so I made a mental note of that. And I went back to my, my hotel room that night in Paris and I asked myself three questions and I wrote it down. Question number one, what would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? Question number two, what would I do if no one paid me to do it? And question number three, what makes me come alive? And that third question came out of a book I was reading at the time, written by an author named John Etheridge. And in his book, Wild at Heart, John says, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive. Because what the world needs are people who come alive. When I read that, something just clicked in me and I said, boom, that's it. I want to speak, write, train, consult, and coach. This is what makes me come alive. This is what I would do if no one paid me to do it. This is what I would do if I knew I couldn't fail. And when I really got really honest with answering those questions, um, one of the things that we share in our whole brilliance work is the moment you say yes and you commit to your destiny, then providence moves to. There's a quote in the Scottish Himalayan expedition where it begins to say all sorts of material assistance, meetings, and chance opportunities literally begin to present themselves to you the moment you commit and say yes to your assignment. Wow. Wow. You know, when you mentioned that quote um, about uh, what makes you come alive, the interesting thing is, is that that is a quote that hangs in Vanderbilt Divinity School. And they attribute the quote to Howard Thurman, who was a mystic theologian. Wow. And it hangs in the admission office of the Divinity School. Wow. You know, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. You know, and so in knowing what makes you come alive, many people, you know, are stuck because they haven't really identified what truly makes them come alive. Right. You know, they have just assimilated into the culture and doing the things that, you know, the culture tells us that we should do. Right. And then we kind of get stuck, you know, and, and not really pay attention to the things that really make us come alive. And so how do we get to that point of uncovering the things that we have covered up with life to identify what makes us come alive. Yeah, so if you believe in the Socratic method of learning, the answers and the questions. So there are mm -hmm. four questions that I believe allow people to get unstuck. Question number one, where have I been? And the backstory with that question is for a person to look at their background, their skill set, their experience, their knowledge, their know-how, and to really say, where have I been? Question number two, why am I here? And the why am I here question, obviously, Simon Sinek uh, in his TED Talk has done an amazing job in talking about the why. I, I think you cannot 
stop asking that question, the why am I here? Because what you discover is that the reason you weren't born in the 18th century is because you weren't needed. So your gifts, your ability, your talent, that, that God potential that's in you is needed now. The third question is the what can I do question, and I think that question is critically important because sometimes everyone looks at what everyone else has and they forget to celebrate their ability. They forget to look for the oil in their own house so that they can begin to pour out, right? And then the fourth question is really that forecasting question, and that is where am I going? So if we believe that tomorrow is better than today, then what we have to realize is when we arrive into tomorrow, everything that we did yesterday meets us and says, welcome, we've been waiting for you. So when we begin to matriculate and go through these four questions and really doing that deeper dive, there are three things that you'll discover. There are some relationships that you have to invite them to find their happiness elsewhere because they no longer satisfy you for where you're going. And in looking at relationships, uh, Dave Martin, a good friend of mine, says that people are like assets. They take you up and they take you down. And uh, so you got to really realize that. And then the second thing you have to think about in answering those four questions is what you want wants you. So what is it that I really, really want uh, at this particular season? No matter if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, what is it that you really, really, really want? Because at times, people can be a floor lamp of diffused energy that's pulled in a million different directions instead of being laser focused. And then the third part is after I understand my relationships, after I answer what I really, really want, I then have to say, what is it that I'm going to have to let go of in order to step into that new reality? Some great questions. Great questions to to help you, the listening audience, or whomever listening to this podcast, uh, to ask yourself so that you can begin to get unstuck and begin to uncover mm-hmm. the things that you need to uncover in order to move forward. You know, I like to have these conversations, you know, and a lot of times we have a tendency to look at people and look at their success now, but not know what they have to go through in order mm-hmm. to get to where they were. You know, we like to compare their ending to our beginning a lot of times. <laughs> and so what's been the biggest obstacle that you've had to overcome in following your calling? Yeah, I think uh, for me, getting over the fact that I am a black man in America and and shifting my thinking is that I am a man who happens to be in America who happens to have African-American ancestors and and really kind of embracing that and shifting my thinking. Because when you look at the media, print, TV, digital, uh, everything reinforces an image. And what's interesting is within every brain, there is a mind. Within every mind, there is a belief system or what Peter Senge calls in his book, The Fifth Discipline, a mental model. Mm -hmm. And within every mental model, there is a shaper. And within every shaper, there is an agenda. So what I've had to overcome is what is the agenda of the people that are trying to shape how I think and how I believe based on what I see? Because you move to the image that you have of yourself. And so when I really, uh, my mentor said to me a number of years ago, he said, you weren't born to fit in, you were born to be brilliant. And that just, boom, unlocked something in me because no one had ever told me as a black man that I was born to be brilliant. And when I said to, said to him, I said, how can you tell me that I, I'm brilliant? You know, you're a white man. It's easy for you to succeed here in America. And he said to me, you are stuck in your mind and your body thinking that the pigmentation of your skin determines your reality. He says, you need to let that go and step into your brilliance. And when he said that, there was a shift that took place in my entire life. For seven years, I would drive down the road crying, snot running. And I, I came up in a generation where we didn't go to the shrink. We didn't go to see people to talk about what was going on. We just kind of kept it in and then right. let it out when we went to church. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so when he said that, I realized uh, that I had been, uh, I won't say borderline depressed, but I had been suppressing what everybody was saying instead of understanding who I was really meant to be. Mm-hmm. And then when I started to uncover and started to let go of the language that I had embraced, uh, then things really started to turn around uh, for me. Letting go of the language. 
mm. the language that is going on in our head mm-hmm. and then the language that we ultimately end up speaking. Correct. You know, and that is one of the one of the exercises that I plan to do with uh, the um, participants in the workshop. And wow. I spent some time in California at Lisa Nichols speaking right to make millions. And this particular exercise she had us do was called the Earth Angel Exercise. And the, the exercise allowed us to, one, pick one limiting thought, hmm. one limiting thought that we continuously rehearse in our mindset. And then we had to come up with an alternative thought to replace that limiting thought. And my particular limiting thought that was that I was not enough. Wow. You know, when I thought about my life, when I thought about, you know, all of the education that I've gone and gotten, all of the different um, jobs that I've gone and in between and wanting certain titles and wanting certain positions all spoke to that limiting thought that of, of not being enough. Wow. And I wow. replace that thought, though. Anytime that that comes up today, I replace that thought with I am enough because God created me to be enough. Wow. And wow. everything that I need, I already, you know, have. Sure, sure. And so that conversation that we have in our head is so important. And so can you talk a little bit more about how do we deal with those conversations in our head that continuously keep us going in a cycle of of low aim Mm -hmm. instead of pressing towards that mark that we know we can achieve? Well, I think like you just said, number one, whenever you identify that language pattern, immediately addressing it and going in the opposite direction. So for me, I have been average in my thinking, but today I say I am brilliant. And I say I am brilliant because those were the words that really unlocked me to be the man that I am today. I think the second thing we have to think about is whoever has your ear has your life. So who are the people that speak into your life? Because sometimes people say things that become like a meme. And a meme, as we know, is a piece of information that, you know, is passed off from person to person. So you get that text message and somebody, you know, has typed in the text LOL. And if you didn't know what LOL means, you ask what that means. And then the next time you text, you're saying LOL. Well, you've picked up on the language. And I think sometimes we've picked up on the language of what everybody else says. But people don't see you uh, for who you are. They see you as they are. Right. And when people see you as they are, they talk to you uh, where they are, not to where you're going. So you just have to be very mindful as to who's feeding uh, your life because it will come out of your mouth eventually. And I think the third thing is to every single day come back to what makes you brilliant, Mm -hmm. what's right about you, and be intentional in languaging that, what's right about you, because words create worlds. And worlds frame your tomorrow, but your tomorrow is framed today by the words and the world you live in. So it's just mm. really, really putting um, a filter, you know, over you know every word that comes out because the words carry your energy, and your energy into the universe creates amazing things. It sets in motions a whole series of events. Your words, and so I've really had to learn over the years to realize my words have power and my words have impact. And before my words become powerful to you, they're powerful to me. Because when they're powerful to me and and I believe them, then it it taps into how I think, what I expect, and what I actually receive. Mm. Good stuff. Good stuff. I like that. So let's get into a little bit of Shift Your Brilliance. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the questions I have and many people ask me all the time is, you know, where do I start? You know, how do I know really what my brilliance is? How do I really get into uh, that vein of thought so that I can begin to, you know, maybe profit from my brilliance or maybe create a lifestyle around what I'm brilliant about? You know, mm-hmm. where do I start? I think you really have to start with, number one, what nags you the most? What is that thing that just gets up under your skin? For instance, for me, um, I'm very, very concerned about our education system here in America. 
How is it that we are the number one country in the world uh, in GDP, but our education system is at best maybe number 24, 25 in the world. Mm. That, that, that nags at me. That bothers me. And so in a lot of the education associations that uh, we've spoken to over the last year, I'm constantly getting them to think about how do they shift out of the 20th century to the 21st century? Now, let me just add a disclaimer. There are many educators and many educational systems that are on the cutting edge and light years ahead. But for the majority uh, of some of the school systems that I've seen, I think they know that they've got to shift. So that's something that nags at me that I'm constantly thinking about. So for those listening to us right now, what's that thing that wakes you up in the middle of the night that you go to the refrigerator and you open it, not taking anything out of the refrigerator and you close it back, and it's not because you're hungry, it's because of the hole in your soul, H-O-L-E, the hole in your soul. So what's that hole in your soul that's driving you to be a part of the, the solution? I think the second thing people have to think about is what is it that people compliment me on? And I and I don't mean to just simplify this and make this sound so basic, but I think sometimes we overlook the things that we do well. For instance, I was I was speaking at an event the other day and, and a lady came up to me and she said, you know, I, I don't know how to shift. I don't know where to get started. And I started asking her, I said, tell me about your professional journey. And she says, oh, I've done this job. I've done this type of job. And, and in the, the five minutes that she explained what she did, I said, so in other words, you're a relationship builder. I said, when you look at the last 20 years of your life, everything that you've done historically has been about building relationships to drive revenue. So I said, now, how do you now look at those relationships and leverage them to benefit yourself, to mm -hmm. create the new new? And she's like, wow, I never thought about it like that. And I said, yeah. I said, look at your history. I said, because it seems like you have a track record of effective relationships. And she said, I'm going to do that. So those listening to us right now, you know, sometimes you, you look out instead of looking within, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the third thing you have to do is when's the last time you've taken any of the assessment tools, Myers-Briggs, uh, DISC profile, uh, strengths finders. I was just uh, at, the, at an event the other day and heard Tom Rath um, an amazing, amazing thinker uh, who's done a ton of research from Gallup around finding your strength and leveraging it. And you probably know this, that a lot of the research right now is focusing on how do we get people to lock in on their strengths Sorry. and not just their weaknesses. Now, you don't ignore your weaknesses because whatever you you don't deal with will eventually deal with you. Right. But, but how do you skew more towards that strength that allows you to operate brilliantly? When we think about your book, uh, Shift Your Brilliance, what was the pain point that you saw in the culture or in the world that inspired you to write such a book? Yeah, so I had left Disney and I was a few years removed. And what I discovered, I was doing the same old thing in my business uh, three, four, five years later mm expecting the same results, and the whole world had shifted. And what I recognized, if I didn't uh, unlearn, relearn, and learn how to really uh, shift my thinking, I could literally be obsolete. And so the pain point for me is I didn't want to be obsolete. Uh, the second thing that really kind of jarred me, I was invited by State Farm Insurance, or they, they were considering me for an engagement. And the customer said to me, the, uh, we're, we, we, we're going to go with you, you're the guy. And I told them my fee, and they said, that's right within our budget. And then all of a sudden, they called me back a few days later, and they said, well, we decided to go with Marcus Buckingham. And I said, wait a minute, Marcus Buckingham is like four times more than my fee. And here's what she said. She said one of the executives had saw Marcus Buckingham speak somewhere and took the money out of his budget to pay for him to come in and speak, fly him in by private plane and private car. And so I said, well, I'm going to come to hear what $50,000 sounds like. <laughs> and you know what? I had a chance to meet with Marcus afterward and just really, really ask him, what was he doing? And he said to me, he said, I'm not building a speech company. I'm building a training company that will transform the world. 
And it was right there in that mm-hmm. moment when I said, you know what? Brother got a shift. <laughs> I, I got to think differently because what I recognize is they didn't mind paying more for his research. And that was the differentiator. He's a speaker like I'm a speaker, but it's his research as a statistician from his Gallup days that allowed him to get the opportunity. So what that said to me, I needed to kind of get off of the motivational, you know, preachy, fiery style in my early years. And I need to come with some evidence-based research. I need to give some how-to examples. I need to say, this is how this is going to help your company move forward. And when I made the shift in my brain, I stopped yelling and I started talking. I stopped telling and I started asking and I started listening instead of having selective hearing. Hmm. You started listening instead of having selective hearing. Take us a little bit deeper with that one. Yeah, so sometimes we hear what we want to hear instead of what we need to hear. And there are three levels of listening. There is polite listening, right? There is the uh, what I would call that Uh, connected listening, but then there's the intentional listening. Intentional listening, when when I teach this in some of our programs, is I, I am listening to what you mean, not waiting for you to stop talking so I can say what I want to say. When you say what you want to say, that's selective hearing because you only heard enough for them to shut up so you can get your point across. Mm-hmm. And and when I made that little switch in my head to say, wait a minute, I gotta I gotta listen at a whole nother level. What I realized up until that time, I only heard what I wanted to hear because of my ego. Uh, ego uh, in in some circles, some call it edging God out. I call it edging greatness out. Uh, my ego got in the way because I wasn't really listening to how I could become a solution to their problem. I just wanted to keep, you know, saying what I thought was right and my opinion was wrong. And at times my opinion uh, and what caused me to be a selective hearer is because my information was a mile wide, but only an inch deep. And, and so I had to I had to adjust. I think the other the other piece that I learned about selective hearing, and this is something that we all know, is that God gave us two ears and one mouth so that we should listen more than we talk. And so I stopped talking, and I really dialed in to say, what did they say, and more importantly, what did they mean? You mentioned being a solution to someone's problem. You know, I was while reading The Wealth Choice, one of the wealth principles is knowing how you can serve and provide value to others. Mm-hmm. And when I think about some of the individuals who desire to be entrepreneurs, who desire to launch out and do something of their own, one of the things that is key is really identifying how do you provide value to others? What is the pain point that you provide a solution to? Um, What is it that you solve that people don't want to spend time solving for themselves? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So there there are two ways I would answer that question. Uh, The first one is the pain I saw for corporations is how do they grow their most important asset, that being people. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when they grow their people, their people will attract customers and customers will drive revenue. For individuals, the problem that I solve is how do they get out of their own way? How do they stop making excuses? And how do they not only say yes to that destiny that they need to embrace, but how do they understand the pathway that they need to take and the specific steps that they need to take in order to operate brilliantly. That's good. That's good. So let's go into just talking a little bit about uh, your book. And I'm gonna, I want to give you time to talk about um, maybe some of the uh, highlighted chapters in the book that you think are, I'm sure they're all important, but those that you, th- those are those chapters that you feel like are Uh, would be beneficial for some of us who haven't yet read the book, but would encourage us to go read it. 
Yeah, so I'll take you through the steps very quickly. Okay. Uh, the, the first step in Shift Your Brilliance is all about how do you see differently. And so when I, when I wrote that chapter, I was thinking of why is it that Blockbuster didn't buy Netflix when they had an opportunity to buy it? They didn't buy it because they didn't see it. Uh, if, if the truth be told, Wayne Huizinga, uh, who sold Blockbuster and certainly founded Blockbuster, uh, he said that they felt that they could do it in-house. They felt that they, after they heard about Netflix, that they figured that they could do it themselves. Well, we see where Netflix is today and we see where Blockbuster is today. I think the other thing as it relates to see differently, when you look at Circuit City uh, and, and Best Buy, what is it that Best Buy did that Circuit City didn't do? How did they see differently? So when you know the history of Best Buy, they began to target women because they began to understand who their consumers were coming in the store. And they began to say, how do we realign how we talk about electronics and train all of our people in the store to really understand geek speak mm-hmm. so that when women come into the store, they can connect with them and say, here's what this what this looks like. Well, all of a sudden, because women uh, really, and they buy a lot of men, believe all of a sudden Best Buy is still here, but Circus City isn't. So what I realized is um, an Edie Whitener, who at the age of 29 was the youngest woman ever elected to a Fortune 500 board of directors, and I put this quote in the book, Shift Your Brilliance, she says, people know so much about what they know that they are the last to see the future differently. And, and when I saw that, it, it totally clicked. I said, if we never see it differently, we will always do what we've been oh, doing and, 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 and nothing will change. So that was number one. So the, the second thing that I began to notice is this whole thing of how do you begin to harness the power of you incorporate it? And so I believe that everybody working in a job has to begin to see themselves as the CEO of Me Incorporated. Um, I just recently put out a, a note via Twitter uh, and, and LinkedIn, and I said, guess what? The adult daycare center is over. Corporations and big businesses are not going to hold your hand, babysit you, and tell you how wonderful you are. They want you to figure it out, and they want you to come and help push them forward, and they're not going to tap you on the shoulder. So you got to harness your power and say, how do I do this? For those who are on the entrepreneurial side, you have to begin to think about who's the best in class in your specific sphere, and how do you begin to uh, learn quicker, faster? Uh, I shared the stage with um, Thomas Friedman, who wrote the book, The World is Flat, and also Sir Ken Robinson, who's had millions of hits on TED.com. And if people mm-hmm. have not seen his talk on TED.com, Sir Ken Robinson is absolutely amazing. And one of the things that uh, they both said is that, and this goes along with my whole point of harnessing the power of you incorporated, is you have to think like a startup. And thinking like a startup, you're willing to do whatever you need to do to get that business off the ground. And in thinking like a startup, you are always scrappy. You're always asking questions. You're always pushing the envelope. And you're always looking who is who is the, the majority leader in that space or who is the person coming up behind you and how do you learn from both of them. Um, I think one of the other uh, highlighted chapters that I'll just point out is this chapter that I call Fuel Your Mind. And what I recognize is that knowledge is a commodity. Knowledge is everywhere. You can Google just about anything, and just with a few clicks of a button, you can get knowledge. But in fueling your mind is how do you move from knowledge to revelation? Mm. Because when you move from knowledge to revelation, revelation's twin is transformation, But I don't get to the transformation until I have revealed truth based on the knowledge or wisdom that I've acquired. So in fueling your mind in that particular step and shift your brilliance, we give people tips, tools, and techniques to really think about not just reading, but connecting. Uh, Seth Godin in his book, The Icarus Deception, says we are now in the connection economy. So how do I begin to look at different avenues to connect and immerse myself into so that I can study and grow and keep my finger on the pulse. <laughs> That's a lot, but I think, you know, we can re-listen to this again and, <laughs> and go back and get some of those principles and begin to apply them. You know, go back to that knowledge 
revelation. See, yeah. Too. So 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 knowledge is a commodity, but knowledge leads to revelation. And what companies and businesses need are people who have revelatory breakthrough insight. Mm-hmm. When you look at Square. All Square is was revealed truth. It's a breakthrough. So now people process a credit card through a little square. Well, that has caused a transformation in how small businesses are able to collect money. And even though Square takes 2%, that's a big 2% if you have millions of people using Using Square. square. I mean, it's it's just brilliant. But that's moving from knowledge, know-how, revelation, what's the insight, to transforming the culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at everything that Steve Jobs did, uh, what, what's interesting in 1979, Steve Jobs walked into the Xerox Palo Alto facility and saw how Xerox had created this thing called integrated graphics. But what's interesting, Xerox only saw copiers. Steve Jobs saw how to put a computer on every desk in the world. So literally, he went from knowledge to revelation, revealed truth, to transforming the entire industry. And I have an iMac, an iPad, an iPhone, Apple TV. <laughs> Watch. I mean, everything. Yeah. It, it, and, and, and it's all because they saw it differently. And, and, you know, Steve Jobs is probably one of the greatest inventors of our time, because what a lot of people don't realize is he disrupted the music industry and the movie industry and the phone industry. Because an iPhone, if you really think about it, an iPhone is nothing but a series. Uh, it's a phone, but it's, it's the apps. Mm-hmm. It was the first phone that had apps in the phone. That's moving from knowledge to revelation to transformation because of the apps in the phone. So everyone that's listening to us right now, what do you see? How do you harness? How do you fuel? That's how you shift your brilliance and stay relevant in the economy. That's really good, Simon. That's really good. I'm going to go back and listen to this podcast myself. Well, we're coming towards the end of the podcast. And, you know, I want to do what we call the lightning round of a series of questions where you just pick one thing of each question that you feel like has been the best uh, to help you in your productivity or the best book that has helped move you forward in your life. And so let's start out with what is one online resource tool, website, or app that has enhanced your productivity? So lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com. Lynda.com is the Netflix for business. Okay. I've heard I've heard of lynda.com. Somebody talked to me about that just the other day. What can you share a little bit about what it does? Yeah, so any skill that you want to build, what they have become is a micro platform for learning. You can learn the skill in five-minute chunks. Mm -hmm. So let's say they'll take you want to learn how to do Excel, you want to do PowerPoint, and it's video-based. They will literally teach you in five-minute chunks. They'll tell you a story, they'll give you a point, and they'll give you the how-to. And it's so easy that when you finish it, you can go and do it, and then they'll take it one step further. When you finish the course, you can post uh, the course on your LinkedIn profile that you've completed uh, the course. And by the way, LinkedIn just bought lynda.com for $1.5 billion. Wow. So uh, I, I think everybody needs to figure out, how, if I want to skill up, <laughs> I need to get on lynda.com. Yeah. Wow, wow. What's what book that has had the biggest impact on you? Wow. The one book that I would say that has really informed my thinking is a book called Firms, F-I-R-M-S, Firms of Endearment. It's written by three Babson College professors. And what they are looking at, corporations and businesses over the next 10 years and beyond, they will put purpose before profit. Does that sound familiar? So they have 30 case studies that they've highlighted of companies who uh, actually do this. They put purpose before profit. And I can honestly say I probably have worked with a half dozen of those companies over the last 12 years, and it's absolutely spot on. Great. One of my favorite reads. Purpose before profit. Profit. Mm -hmm. What are you reading right now? Oh, my goodness. So I am so excited. A buddy of mine turned me on to a book called Youth Nation. And Youth Nation is really a snapshot of how millennials think. Why do they buy? What do they do? So one of the stories talks about the Burning Man Festival that takes place every year out in the desert. And they have they they started small and now they have thousands of people that just show up 
for this music festival. Mm-hmm. And at the end, they burn a man. But their whole point is when you come to the, the festival, it's not about your title, where you're from, what you do. It's all about how you can help each other. And it's so it's this whole youth culture. One of the things that they're saying in Youth Nation is that millennials are making less than their boomer parents and they don't care because for them, it's all about making meaning, not just money. So Youth Youth Nation, absolutely phenomenal read. I've heard that about the making meaning versus making money. They're, they're really more socially uh, adept and, yes. and really big into... Even um, universities are starting these social entrepreneurship programs. And yes. Stuff. Yeah. What is your number one ritual or practice that keeps you motivated? Yeah, I'm generally up at 4 a.m. every morning, uh, and that's just my time. It's very quiet. And even when I'm on the road, generally my day starts at 4 a.m. And I meditate, I read, and I write in my journal. I've been journaling probably for the last 20 years And I can go back to my journals and track where I am today is because of something that I articulated years ago. So if you think it, ink it. Wow. Now, I have been on and off with that. How do you stay um, on track with journaling daily? You know what? I just write from my heart. And, you know, there's some days where I may miss writing, but then I'll go back and catch up. So I don't beat myself up if for some reason I had an early morning meeting or for whatever reason I didn't get to it. Um, But I intentionally make a point to go back to it. So let's say if I have five days that go by, that sixth day I'm in my journal. But what I've discovered is when I do write every day, it's become therapeutic for me Mm -hmm. because it's almost kind of like this dump as to kind of what's my latest thinking. I mean, this morning I was I was reading uh, something I wrote a year ago, and I got a whole idea for a book that literally I was inspired. I was like, oh, my goodness, I can write a book on X. And I saw it because my journal, I was just writing in a flow of consciousness. And I'm like, wow, I actually said that? So now I'm going to put it into a book. And, and so journal for me is therapeutic, and, and it inspires me. It keeps me going. Well, I haven't written a book yet, so maybe I need to go back and look at all the stuff that I've written over the years. You should. You should. (laughs) Look, there is a book in there somewhere. There's a book in there somewhere. (laughs) Good. Well, as we begin to close, you know, what's one piece of advice you would give someone who is ready to shift into their brilliance and get on purpose? There is no truth in fear. There's no truth in fear. You got to do it. And when you do it, you will discover everyone has been waiting for you to show up, but they won't show up until you show up. And this is not something I I read or wrote in the book. This is what I've lived in 12 years since leaving Disney. I stepped out on nothing, cashed in my entire 401k with significant, significant Disney stock. My wife didn't work outside the home. My son, Daniel, was four. My daughter, Madison, was 18 months. And my wife said, I'm with you. And, you know, it had to be a strong sister to say that she was with me. And what I and what I discovered is there is no truth in fear. There is no truth in fear. Mm -mm. There is no truth in fear. And unless you step out there, people will not show. Well, what's one exciting thing going on in your business and life right now that you would like to share? We're getting ready to launch the Shift Your Brilliant system, which we've been working on for two years. It has been a lot of start and stops. And uh, what really drove us to do that is we've had people all over the world ask us to go deeper into this whole Shift Your Brilliance concept. So we've worked with an instructional designer and a team of probably about 15 different people. And it's finally here. So the website goes live uh, in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to be telling people how to shift their brilliance, but really give them a system on how to do it. And uh, people will be able to order that. And uh, we'll ship it all over the world uh, for them. So we're really, really excited about that. So it'll be the book, Shift Your Brilliance, a workbook, DVD. Uh, we're going to go old school yeah. for a minute. Okay. While every, everybody is skating to digital, we're going to go old school and 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 go with a DVD, CD, whole audio experience. And then we're eventually going to make it uh, digital friendly and put it online. Uh, but we decided while everybody was going digital, we decided to unleash our inner salmon and swim upstream and, and do something different. So I'm really, really excited about that. 
uh, and launching that. Yeah. Now you did a blog post on that, didn't you? Yeah, we did I something just a little small. Yeah, that, we yeah. just did some song. We've been teasing it out a little bit, but now we're getting ready to uh, to share it with the world. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, tell the listening audience where they can find you, whether it be social media, your website, so on and so forth. Sure, simontbailey.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at Simon T. Bailey and certainly LinkedIn, Simon T. Bailey. Awesome. Well, Simon, I appreciate you joining me on this podcast. You Thank truly you. have been uh, an inspiration to me as I continue on this journey, continuing to go forward and continue to move with uh, courage. You know, I have not yet missed a bill yet. So awesome for, for that. <laughs> I know the feeling. Yeah. I know the feeling. Yeah. And so I will continue uh, to press my way. Wow. How good was that interview? I mean, I have listened to it over and over again. There's so many great nuggets that Simon shared. But there's one in particular that I want to highlight before we close out this podcast, and that is he said that the moment you say yes and commit to your destiny, it is then that providence moves to you. And basically what I took from that is that we have to move. We have to take action towards what it is that we know we want. And once we start to take action, then momentum begins to happen and destiny and the universe begins to move towards you and bring towards you what it is that you truly want. So we have to commit and get moving. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Maximize Your Brand podcast because I truly did. We all have brilliance within us. We all have something special that we're supposed to offer the world and we need to do everything that we possibly can to make sure that we share that gift, share that brilliance so that we can make the impact that we truly want to make. If you are listening and you have not subscribed to the Maximize Your Brand podcast, you can do so on any major podcast platform. On iTunes, all you have to do is hit subscribe. And I request also leave a comment or review of this episode or any of the episodes that you may have listened to for on the podcast. I'm always grateful that you join me right here each and every week for the podcast. And this week is no different. I'm ecstatic and excited that you join me and that you listen to the podcast each and every week. And until next week, just remember this, always shoot for the top because it's the bottom that's overcrowded. Take care. 